0: so don't settle. Find love at first drive. And start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
1: Hi, and welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, joined by Senior Editor Mara Levinsky. Hello, Steph. Hi, Mara. Today, we're going to be talking to Mal Young, Executive Producer and Head Writer of Young and the Restless, who has a lot to share about the hot stories he's been telling on the number one show. But first I want to say, so Mara, neither one of us has ever covered Y&R for the magazine, but I am completely riveted by it, and I know you are too. I know. I have to
2: say that from the moment the JT and Victoria reconciliation started to take the dark turn that we've seen it take, I really, really got sucked in in a whole new way. And I totally understand why it's garnering mixed reaction from the audience. But for me, I have not been able to like miss a second of it.
1: Well, it's funny because it started for me actually when JT came back and they act- they even put him with Victoria because, you know, as a lot of fans know, although I met someone last night who had no clue, um, their portrayers, Thad Luck and Bill and Amelia Hindley, had actually been married in real life for 10 years. So they split last year and now he came back and those two started getting together on screen. So I think there was sort of this like, oh, that's kind of cool and a little weird that they're not together in real life anymore, but now they're together on the show. Right,
2: it was kind of curious, like I was curious to see how they would handle it and if it would seem seamless or if there would be any awkwardness and all of that. You know, That added like a layer of interest for me too, I
1: I can't lie. Right, but I was totally like, hello, tune in time because (laughs) I thought it was so good. And then when he became both verbally and then physically abusive, It was like crazy because now I'm watching it But then in a way I can't look away And then I feel like, wait, should I really be this into the story If this is the topic that they're telling And I think that that's sort of an interesting thing to bring up I had a pretty intense text exchange with someone in the business Who just could not believe that they were going there with this story And I tried to explain to her that I totally get where she's coming from But there is something about these stories that become very relatable for the audience So... I've had letters from people say that they've been victims of domestic violence and that this story is really speaking to them. So that kind of begs the question, are these the kind of stories that soap should tell more often or are these the kind of stories soap should tell at all?
2: Yeah, I mean... Uh, that's an interesting one. I, I mean, I think a lot of viewers tune into soaps for escapism, right? And for uh, something to take their mind off of their troubles in their daily life. And these stories hit uncomfortably close for home for a lot of people. And then for a lot of people, it's hard to find them entertaining because even if you haven't had your own personal experience with an issue like this, it's still not exactly fun to watch, although it is quite dramatic and quite gripping. Um I definitely think there is a proud and long history of social issue storytelling in soap operas, but I think it's very important that shows balance out uh, stories that are that heavy with stuff that's a little lighter, um, it, just to, to make the viewing experience feel rounder and I guess not like, oh gosh, you know, you don't want to feel like, oh gosh, it's a chore to tune into the show. There has to be something that's... Um, gonna take your mind off things for a little bit, right? I think about uh, General Hospital in the mid 90s, when in rapid succession, they told three incredibly heavy stories. They told the story of Monica's breast cancer. They told the story of the death of BJ Jones. And they told the story of Stone uh, Stone's death from AIDS. And all three of those stories were beautifully told, beautifully performed. Uh, And critically acclaimed on every level. But the show's ratings actually went down at that time. And I think it's because it became kind of too sad to watch. You know, it became difficult for a lot of the audience. Um, And we've seen that happen with other shows, too, where they've taken darker turns.
1: Well, you also mentioned BJ. And I feel like that's the other real pushback that I get or that I've seen from fans when they decide to kill off a child or a baby absolutely I mean, people really do not like those stories and yet that's those are the kind of stories that give the actors like the richest material to play right. and there is something really cathartic about going through the experience with them i absolutely agree i mean with even that. as an adult yeah. you look at laura wright's performances with as carly when morgan died and you know they were really beautiful and we've still been going through this journey with that family and so it's just interesting because I think it really creates this very these very disparate reactions in the audience.
2: Well, certainly the kiss of death For a soap opera is when no one is talking about a story, even if the audience is divided about a story like this or, um, you know, I I certainly uh, see a lot of sentiment, even uh, from General Hospital fans online, that it's like time to give it a rest where, you know, grieving for Morgan is concerned. But the kiss of death for the soap is when the show, the people aren't talking about the stories. If they're talking about it, that means they're engaged. So there's something to be said for that.
1: I mean, you look at Days of Our Lives and I feel like it went through so many recent head writer changes, and there was a point where that show felt really heavy, and there was the necktie killing, and there was just a lot of dark elements that made it, you know, not fun to tune into, to your point. I mean, you want to see the love and the romance, and those were the letters we were getting. Where's the love? Where's the romance? Absolutely. It was sorely lacking, for sure. Absolutely. And then they bring in Ron Carlovati and he's totally changed the canvas. And so it does feel lighter, and it does feel more fun, and he made a very concerted effort like by bringing on Hattie and Bonnie right at the beginning like to add that you know element that had been missing in a sense slightly a campy element that, right yeah and that now Vivian I mean she just fills sure. our classic lines pages because mm-hmm. she gets just the most amazing stuff to say right? and I think you need those characters to sort of give that feeling to the audience especially when you're going to have stories that might be you know yeah. sadder or... Yeah. It's like a
2: palate cleanser in a way. I think on General Hospital right now, they're telling two stories with a social uh, issue bent. One well, uh, one is the story of Mike's Alzheimer's. Another is the sort of uh, hashtag me too story that they're starting with Kiki and Bench. And I suppose there's a third uh, with the reveal on air uh, that Franco was sexually abused by Harvey. And yet, I do feel like there seems to be uh, enough of a mix of other things or other characters who are doing other things so that it doesn't feel entirely dominated by those Mm storylines.
1: Yeah. Well, I think you could argue that on Young and the Restless. I mean, you have anything with, like, I feel Mariah and Hillary, like, they do keep that comedic element, so I do feel like Mal is really cognizant of that and probably, you know, knows that there he is telling some serious stories, like the story with jack and the abbots i mean yeah. that's another one that has fans talking mm-hmm. so i mean whoever thought that when they started this story where jack you know pulls out this blood abbot clause right. for like jabot <laughs> right. the bylaw and you think that it's just kind of to create this dynamic between jack and ashley and then no they completely turn the script and it's that jack is not John's biological son I mean like I really never saw that coming
2: I didn't either and yet you know I I also understand how for some fans it's a little hard to swallow because the Abbots have been around for so long um so I'm totally interested in hearing you know Mal's uh take on that
1: all right well on a lighter note Christian Alfonso Days of Our Lives is Hope is marking 35 years since her debut on the show. Which is just like amazing to think about because I actually started watching the show when Bo and Hope were a couple. So that's been a minute. Anyway, in this issue, we did one of our Why Everyone Loves sections. And this is why everyone loves Christian Alfonso. So I had put in a request like two months ago with the show's publicists to get quotes from the actors. And I had thought, oh, it'll be like a nice, fun four page feature. And we wound up with over 25 responses because everybody wanted to be a part of it. So I not only could have made it six pages if I had like put more photos in, I really only had one more page to give it. So it is this incredible five-page tribute to her. And I think it really shows just how beloved she is on that show. And it the interesting thing is how consistent a lot of the quotes are. And they all say the same thing about how... Chipper she is in the morning, how she says good morning to everybody. Allie Sweeney has an adorable story of her coming onto set and like fixing her wardrobe and then like rushing off like she had never been there. It was really interesting,
2: I have to say, to read so many people speaking to the attention to detail that she has on the set, both to hope, her own character, and to those of others. To it just shows what a team player she is, I guess, that she's always trying to um, You know, make sure that everything is on point on every level. It was such a beautiful tribute, and I got a little like misty by
1: the end of it. I know that's actually the fun thing when one of us writes something and the other reads it and you come in and you came in to me and you're like, I got a little choked up. Yeah, absolutely. That. Absolutely. Um, another thing in
2: this issue that I got quite a reaction to, uh, or I had quite a reaction to, I should say, was uh, reading the feature that Tom Stacey put together with Torsten K, one of our You Asked He Answered pieces where we solicited questions from our readers to um direct to, in this instance, Torsten K. from The Bold and the Beautiful, and my jaw dropped because he actually admitted in print for the first time that he is actually, truly, legally married to his longtime love, Susan Haskell, who played Marty on One Life to Live when he was Patrick. I I could not believe it. Admitted
1: it in print. I had no idea they were married. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, we always, I feel like he'll refer to her as his wife, but I always thought, oh, he just refers to her as his wife because we had never heard that they Tied the knot After being together For all this time They have two daughters Marlo and McKenna And so we've always Called her like His long time partner right, right And that's what he said He said I I am married like, <laughs> right. Everyone could stop Calling her my long time partner She is my
2: wife Right. so that that that's another really fun feature in the issue. And one of my favorite features to do. it's just so fun to get the actors on the phone for this is something we do about once a year, which is the co-star confidential feature, where we come up with different categories like who has the most decked out dressing room and who is the has the silliest sense of humor and stuff like that. And then we pull different actors from the show to see what they have to say about their castmates. It's always, you know, uh, to your point about people saying the same thing about Christian, it's like, I always get for General Hospital, Chad Duhl, who plays Michael, he always gets the goofy ones. And um, Michelle Stafford in this issue, uh, who plays Nina, had some particularly funny things to say about her friendship with Fanola Hughes, who plays Anna, that I would uh, recommend people look out for.
1: Yeah, I think it's really funny, and I think that that's what really gives a glimpse into the the behind-the-scenes stuff, and that's the stuff that I like to read, the stuff that you wouldn't know by maybe just reading an interview with them or even watching them on camera. It's the only kind of stuff that, when prodded, they will tell you. Right. um, (laughs) Who's most into sports? Who's most up on the news? Mm -hmm. At Days of Our Lives, that is Billy Flynn, Mm -hmm, Um, as mm -hmm. anyone would know from his Twitter feed. The other thing I love is the roundup, which is the most embarrassing mistakes stars have made on set. Uh, Melissa Ordway talks about falling. Beth yeah. learned the wrong script. I remember uh, Eden
2: McCoy, who plays Jocelyn on General Hospital, accidentally shot a scene wearing her own necklace, which said Eden on it. And that I think made it to air. There is a lot of fun stuff to read, is the
1: point. Um, all right. Well, let's get Mal on the phone and see what he has to say about y Can't wait. Hi, Mal. How are you doing? Fabulous. So, Mal, the show is firing on all cylinders right now. Um, how are you feeling about what we're seeing on screen?
3: Oh, well, I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, the the thing with uh, running a show of this size uh, and the ongoing aspect of it is you're never satisfied, you know, because it never ends. So it's not like you've just finished a movie and you go ah, and then lean back. It's kind of like, well, you know, we raised the bar. And now we've got to do better, <laughs> you know, so and I, I've just been sitting in, in an edit suite watching um, an episode, two episodes from next week. And, you know, and you're thinking, oh, I wish we'd have done that differently and oh, we missed that. So I'm never satisfied. <laughs> but I think you you shouldn't be because that means you're resting on your laurels. And with a soap, you can't afford to do that.
1: Well, you have two big fans in both of us. We have been, not that we don't tune in all the time, but it's a special tune in when the show is particularly exciting.
3: Oh, that's good to know.
1: Um, now, when I saw you at the 45th anniversary celebration on set, you said you felt yeah. like this was really the beginning of your stories. Um, can you tell us why you felt like the stories in the preceding months weren't yours entirely?
3: Yeah, well, it's, it's mainly because I think it's not so much just the stories, I think the style of what I'm trying to do and and my particular take on Y&R just feels like it's beginning now. Um, it's uh, I've always said, you know, I've, I've, in the in the UK, I've taken over a lot of existing shows that have been around for many years, and you, it, it probably takes between I don't know nine and eighteen months to really do. What you want with the show? Because you inherit a lot of stories and characters, and you can't just suddenly cut them all or change direction. And and everyone goes, well, what, what happened to that story? You know, in the middle of it, you you have to be respectful to the fact that the viewers um, are watching those stories, and you you but you take them in your direction. Um, and some of those, you know, take a little while. You don't want to rush things. Some things I, I changed. Probably quicker than others, but some things you want to play out um, a lo- uh, you know these are huge shows the you know and with forty five years of, of of history of the way they 're made, changing things is probably the hardest thing you know people resist change because you know the the making of a big show like this is based on the fact that everyone knows what they 're doing there's there 's a machinery there 's a There's a pattern to it all, a schedule. And then, you know, this guy with a funny accent comes along and says, you know what, I think we should change some of this. And that kind of sometimes freaks people out or, you know, makes them think, oh, why are we changing it? It's always been this way. And I think it needs um, a refresh all the time. You know, the show, I think Bill Bell would agree with me if he was here today, that, you know, he set out to create a show that reflected... the the time that it was being transmitted in from day one. But he was always very careful to make sure that the show stayed fresh and relevant and changed and evolved with the times. And so I came along and said, well, let's, you know, here's my take on it, Um, and, you know, I want to change some of the the way we light the show and and some of the camera work, some of the direction, just to give it a bit more pace and just to give it a bit more of a contemporary feel, because, you know, we're going through a go- another golden age of scripted television worldwide. You know, for, uh, there's over there's 500 um, drama series worldwide now. I mean, it's a phenomenal time that we're going through. And, you know, we have to stay up with that. We, we, we can't rest on our laurels. We have to be as good as possible. It's about quality. It's about great writing and about great, great acting. But also it's about how the show looks. So all those things take time. So I just felt like when I saw you, that, that, the, the, the 45th week and onwards and, and the big JT story felt like, oh, this is the show that I particularly want to produce and, and put my stamp on it now.
2: Well, to that point, the story with JT is obviously uh, one of the most hot-button stories that's going on in daytime right now, and it's very riveting to many members of the audience, and other members of the audience are having a harder time with it because the JT they remember, they feel, is not the guy that they're seeing on screen. It's a darker character uh, than yeah. the one that they knew. Do you understand that sentiment among the fans, and how did you you know, wrestle with that as you were plotting out this arc?
3: I, I totally understand it um and that was precisely why um I wanted to focus the story on a character like JT it would have been very easy um to create a villainous character or look into the archives and find someone who who's you know a bad guy and he comes along and he abuses some uh, you know a woman um that wouldn't have had much of an impact you know on on what we're trying to say with the story what we're trying to say is is that abuse comes in all forms you know and it isn't um it's it's usually quite insidious and and quite it's it's subtle it's underplayed it's hard to put your finger on that's why people put up with it you know and it's usually a guy who everyone says oh, i really like him and they're a nice couple because we don't know what's happening behind people's closed doors and soap and drama Gives us the ability to go behind those closed doors and see what happens in domestic situations. And so when we looked into the history, JT felt like the right person to do that with because we, precisely because we liked him. But he'd had a checkered history, he'd, you know, and he'd had an interesting teen time on the show and got in and out of trouble and did various things and then was off screen for seven years. And I said, I said, well, wouldn't it be interesting if we do it with someone who it's the most unlikely that it's that it's the hardest to to accept so that all all of our other characters say, no, he couldn't do that. We like him. And indeed, Victoria, for for someone strong like Victoria to let him back into her life. Otherwise, she would just look stupid if if it was just obviously a villain and there was no love there. You know, it would have done a great service to the story and, and to to women who are going through the same issue. You know, and, and to that, I would say that, you know, soap-type dramas um, can do many things. You know, we're, we're there as an entertainment. There, you know, we used to have a phrase, well, we still have a phrase at the BBC, which was to inform, educate, and, uh, and ent- entertain. And you can do all three with a soap. You know, it can be an entertainment it can be insightful. It can inform you about things you don't know. Again, you know, um, Bill Bell was, was a master at bringing to daytime more edgy stories, more relevant, more issue-driven things. And so it's about a balance. You know, you can do the romance. You can do the escapism. You know, you can do the fun, the humor. But you also have to show life as it is. And I think the audiences are much more sophisticated than they were in, in decades past. And because, as I say, there's so much drama now, fantastic quality drama worldwide, the audience's expectation of what drama should and, and can, can do is higher. You know, and they they don't want it too um, easy. And they don't want it um, too cliched. You know, they want to be surprised and and shocked at times. So you can do all those things. And that's why we went into this story, knowing it would uh, upset some people.
1: Um, Well, both Thad Luckenbill and Amelia Hindley have done such amazing performances throughout this story, um, which I'm sure you're quite pleased to see. Tell us about the special show you have coming up with Victoria, Nikki, Phyllis, and Sharon.
3: Well, I mean, you're right. You you know, Amelia and Thad have been phenomenal in their performances, you know, and I, I... talked to both of them before I wrote a word of this story and pitched them what I wanted to do. And they both immediately signed up to this. And and Thad only agreed to come back because of this story. You know, regardless of what some people might say, saying, oh, you know, I bet he was shocked. Well, no, he wasn't. He knew exactly where we were going. I took him, him and her through every beat Every lasting beat, and we actually worked on it together, you know, the three of us. Um, you know, I wrote the words and the, the the story, but you know, I I made sure to involve them in every step of the way and brought into play how they would be um, playing this on the screen and how they would take these characters and do these difficult things. And I think that was a huge part of the success of it that they engaged with it and made it they lifted it off the page and made it very, very real and visceral to watch. Amazing. So so then on to, the, to the, the this special episode we've got coming up and the four ladies at the center of it. So again, I wanted to make sure that we had four disparate characters who normally wouldn't share space with each other. You know, you've got Sharon, Nikki, Phyllis, uh, and Victoria, you know, they're they're not natural best buddies, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the greatest the respect to them all. So that's that that was the power of this. To you know, I I said to the writers, what if you threw four women together and gave them a secret, and they they hate each other and they could blow up that secret and destroy each other's lives, but they're only as strong as as each other now. That could be quite interesting. And so we were very much leaning into the history of, of each of these four, their relationships, you know, that we've seen over the years. Um, and so we build up to this coming Friday, uh, the end of this week, the 13th, Friday the 13th, would you believe? Um, and um, it's 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 basically written by, you know, a, a beautifully written script by Mandy Beale, uh, who's been with us, a long time you know we've got a great team of writers who just get what i'm trying to do um and they've just raised their game they 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 really want to put the best words possible on those pages so that we we get the actors and the directors and the crew excited you know we knew we were turning a corner when the crew and the directors all said to us can't wait to read the next script we love these scripts, and that's what we're there, to, you know, the script is there to inspire everyone, because that's the Bible, that's the, that's the starting point, to say, this is what we're going to do today, and everyone raises their games, they read it and think, yeah, we want to be part of this, we're going to shoot this, we're going to get great performances, we're going to light this, you know, even the, the lighting directors all got excited, and that's what a script should do, it should inspire everyone um we make 255 hours a year and so you need these moments where everyone says oh it isn't just two people sitting in the gcac or in the coffee house <laughs> it's it's going beyond that it's difficult it's hard stuff and the viewers then i think hopefully will um relate to that and enjoy it and and really Respect the fact that we're trying to give them stuff that they haven't seen before.
2: Now, I'm curious to know uh, another, you know, big thing that has recently come to light on the show is this reveal about Jack's true paternity. And uh, it's interesting to watch the different reactions among fans. There are those who think, (laughs) wow, what a classic soapy tale, paternity, DNA, all of that good stuff. And there are other fans who feel... It's maybe a touch, to, a touch too far. It tampers with, you know, the, the foundation of the Abbott family. I'm curious what your thoughts are about that, about that yeah. divide, if you had anticipated it and so forth.
3: Well, you know, me and the writers and all the people who surround me, we're all very, we try to be extremely respectful to the legacy and the history of the show. And there's an awful lot of that. You know, most of the time, every time you pitch a story, someone will say, oh, that was done. (laughs) That's been done. Or you can't do that with those because they've been married five times or blah, blah, blah. Um, So you're always leaning into the the history of it and trying to keep that respect and and the reality of it. Um, But you also have to look into that history and see what it can give you story-wise. And for us, Jack his whole being is about his dad and his relationship with his, with John Abbott. You know, it's just the whole thing that's driven him and his whole being about running Jabot and trying to be a better person and trying to live up to his father gives you a great what if he suddenly and he finds out that that isn't true. How is he going to cope? And so you're actually not just suddenly conveniently unpicking history, you're leaning into it and saying a big what if. Now, what I would say also is, you know, because a lot of fans um, might jump right away and see the beginnings of a story and say, oh, that's terrible, this is where they're going. And I would just say, well, you don't know where we're ultimately going. And, you know, I'm projecting forward a year all the time in my head. Uh, You know, on paper, I'm projecting forward six to eight months. But a year is really where I'm thinking where I want to be in a year's time. And this story is far, far from over. And there's a lot more twists and turns to come, I can assure everyone. So I wouldn't say to everyone, you know, oh, make your decisions now based on what you've seen. Because as with all great soaps, we've got to keep it twisting and turning. And you need those moments of, I never saw that coming. <laughs> um, what I, you know, I would, you know, I think there's a great interest from the viewers in the fantastic Jack Abbott portrayed by the equally fantastic Peter Bergman who, you know, just has made that character completely come alive and we love him for all his foibles and, his, uh, and, and all his, his screw ups. We keep loving him and we throw things at him and he bounces back. You know, we went through the whole Phyllis and Billy thing, and then now the Dina thing, and now his dad thing. And, you know, he's a phenomenal actor who inspires me constantly to throw great stuff at him. And, you know, Peter says to me, oh, you know, keep testing me, keep testing Jack. Let's take him on this journey. And, you know, Peter's very, very protective, as, as indeed all the characters, the actors who've been here a while. they become very, very protective of their characters. And, you know, they'll, they'll be the first to say, you can't do this, you know. You, um, but what they really want to make sure is, is that their characters stay relevant and interesting and, and challenged, you know. So this is the, be- the first chapter in a huge story, where, where this is going, the twists and turns. And it plays into his relationship with Ashley, and Billy, and Dina, and Kyle. You know, it's a great family story. And it's, a, however it works out, it's a really good story for you sitting at home, thinking, what if I got to that age and realized my dad wasn't my dad? What would that be like? You know, and it's been something I kind of thought about. What if someone just suddenly went, you know, everything that you kind of thought about your dad being this milkman? Well, he wasn't. He was, he was, he was, he was in the royal family. You know, I mean, who knows? It's pretty gobsmacking. And it makes for great storytelling, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, fans are also excited about Christoph St. John coming back to the canvas. Uh, what can you tell us about what Neil will be doing?
3: Yeah, we're, we're, everyone was very emotional when he came back, and and his energy and his just you know just the the, the strength he brings to the show in his performance is great. You know, he hit the ground running. Um, we're, we're using him to kind of the the great thing about a character being off screen for a little while is is that they can come along and go, what's been going on? You know, and they can kind of. React like a viewer who's been away for a while and say, "You did what? You've done what with Hillary?" <laughs> you know, and so he—he comes this reaction character who kind of pulls together the the Hamilton Winters families. You know, I—I um, I felt that you know they're they've all been going through their problems. You know, and there's the Hillary and Lily fight, and then there's the whole stuff between Devon and Hillary, and then the problems between Kane and Lily, and they've they've all been terrific, um, but they've been missing the patriarch, the, the 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 family character who says enough. This is how it's going to be. The wise character, you know. So, you know, we've got Victor in the Newman family, we've got Jack in the in the Abbotts and we were missing our our sort of figurehead in this group and you know that's why we built up the whole company thing of Hamilton Winters with Lily now joining them because i wanted a third dynamic within the within the show a family company run by uh, neil and his son devon you know and uh, I, and so we've got lots to to take Neil on next, you know, and he he really does, as I say, hit the ground running and he's really excited about what we want to do. And we just, we're just really happy that he's back.
1: Oh, it sounds like it's going to be awesome. We cannot wait to tune in. Totally. Um, Thank you so much for all your time today, Mal, and for joining us.
3: Oh, my pleasure. No, no, I love
1: it. All right. Talk soon.
3: Lovely talking to you. You You
1: too, too, Mal. Mal. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us and thanks to Mal for checking in. Be sure to pick up the latest issue of Soap Opera Digest on sale now and come back next week for another podcast.